Our Bible reading for today is found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, chapter 3. This is page 1175 in the Pew Bibles. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're reading Paul's prayer beginning at verse 14 in the chapter. And this is what Paul writes. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long And high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God. Nobody knows at the beginning of a day what that day is going to bring. Nobody knows. On a morning like this morning, a nice bright morning on Thursday, the 1st of August last, I had to go to an outpatient clinic at the Belfast City Hospital. Uh, My GP had sent me to what was called the chest pain clinic because I'd been having some chest pain and having a bit of difficulty walking up hills. And when I saw the nurse there, she organized for me to have blood taken and have an ECG done, and then she got me to walk on this treadmill machine. I'd never seen one before. I don't know if you've seen a treadmill machine or that. It's like something that might have been in a gym 30 years ago, you know. Uh, But anyway, I I got on and started walking, and of course it got faster, and I'd hardly got into my stride when they stopped it. In fact, I felt a bit cheated. And then I had to wait, of course, while all the results were taken off to a doctor. And finally, uh, the nurse in charge came to me, and I think I was really expecting a lecture about uh, how I had to lose some weight or how I had to stop eating fatty foods, but instead she said to me, "Uh, we'd like to admit you to the ward. (laughs) Oh, when would you like to admit me to the ward? No, (laughs) she said. But I, I have appointments at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock this afternoon. It, it's not really very uh, easy for me to do that. Well, she said, we're organizing a bed now. Uh, can I go home and pick up some pajamas and things? No, we'd like you to come in now. We want to do some procedure. Well, what can I do? As I say, nobody knows at the beginning of a day what's ahead of them. And as it turned out, Uh, They didn't manage uh, that afternoon to do what they wanted to do, and then it was uh, the next morning, Friday morning, when they took me to the theater and put dye in my system and inserted a wire and 
found a blocked artery and inserted two stents and it it was all very uh, quick and very painless and I was soon back in the ward and in fact allowed home uh, that night. I was told to take things easy for a week and then I could build up to uh, fuller activity again. Well, the week passed and just as I was settling down into my normal pattern of life, the phone rang. And it was a nurse from the Cardiac Rehabilitation Service. And she had just one topic that she seemed to want to talk with me about. Exercise. Exercise. In fact, I was in quite agreement with what she said. Exercise is very important. Most of us don't take enough exercise. I agreed with it all. And as I talked to her, I, you know, I felt guilty because I had got careless, I'd got lazy, I wasn't nearly as active as I used to be. She began asking me about what I did and suggesting what I could start doing to build up my health. Everything the woman said was right. And when we'd finished that phone call, I was determined to do more walking and to take more exercise. Now I have a confession to make. I've hardly done what I was supposed to do on more than two or three occasions since that phone call ten days ago. I agree in theory, but in practice, you know, it's not so easy. I had the odd burst of exercise, but I'm not consistently there yet in the daily pattern of my life. Now, what I want to suggest to you today is this. There's a parallel between exercise and prayer. We all agree that prayer is very important, don't we? We all agree. In fact, here at Kirkpatrick, we're having a whole summer of sermons on prayer. We've had all sorts of great things said about prayer. Some of us may even have had a few bursts of extra praying for a while. But here's what I want to ask you at the end of the summer. Are things any better? Have you changed in any way? You see, there's a discrepancy between what we say we believe and what we actually do. Philip Yancey, the popular American Christian writer who wrote a book recently on prayer, uh, in preparation for his book, interviewed many ordinary Christians across America and a large proportion of them said exactly what we would say prayer is crucially important but most of them also admitted that they felt guilty about how they prayed many of them acknowledged that they experienced prayer more as a burden than a pleasure more as a duty than a delight Now, what about us? What about us? The truth about modern Christians is this. Many of us have practically abandoned praying. If If it gets much more than five minutes of our time in a day, that's about it for many people. And many of us who still pray, pray with a shallowness or a repeating of the same words that we've used for years, a a lack of feeling, a lack of expectation. 
And for many of us in what we pray for, there's a concentration on ourselves, our families, our needs, our wants. We've reduced prayer to a sort of personal shopping list. And for some of us, when we don't get what's on the list, we begin to ask ourselves, what's the point of prayer? Why pray? Two thoughts come to mind when I ask myself that question. First, if Jesus needed to pray to help him cope with all the pressures of life and work that he experienced, how much more do we mere mortals need help from beyond ourselves to cope with what life throws at us? The second thing, of course, that strikes us is this. When we read the Gospels, it's plain to see that Jesus taught that people ought to pray and keep on praying. And who are we to disobey what he commands? And so we've spent the summer here listening to sermons about what Paul teaches about prayer. Some of us will have been reading Acts of the Apostles in our Bibles at the same time to to see how Paul and indeed Peter actually prayed and what they prayed about as they carried on their life and work and ministry. And what you see there is that they prayed for very ordinary things at times. Safety and travel, the well-being of friends, the provision for their needs. They prayed for other things as well. For me, one of the most dramatic prayer stories is found in that last chapter of Acts of the Apostles. Paul, you remember the story on his way to Rome is shipwrecked on the island of Malta. The father of Publius The chief minister of the island is very ill and Paul goes and places his hands on him and prays for him and he's healed. Praying for healing is part of what that ordinary praying was for Paul and those early apostles. It's something we can do as well today. It's part of our prayer ministry here at Kirkpatrick. But of course our prayers aren't always answered in the way we hope. And that even happened with the Apostle Paul. Paul who had prayed for others and seen, and seen them healed. We're told in 2 Corinthians 12 had a painful physical illness himself. Three times he said he prayed that God would heal him. And it didn't happen. An experience that many of us have had. And then came to him the message from God, My grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. Paul didn't get what he wanted, but he instead received the strength he needed to cope with his illness and to continue with his work. His prayer was answered. Those of you who are cinema goers will have seen perhaps Steven Spielberg's film Lincoln a year or so ago. It portrays vividly the squalor and the horror of the American Civil War. And one of the most moving poems that came out of that Civil War was written by an anonymous Confederate soldier and it was about prayer and about how God answers prayer. 
I ask God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I'd hoped for. Despite myself, my prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. God may seem sometimes to to leave us in very difficult and painful situations. Often we don't get what we ask for, and we don't know why. But we do know that God's promise is true. His grace is sufficient. It will see us through. He answers in another way. And for some of us, maybe it will not even be in this world that we find a reason for it all. And so the message is keep on praying. Be open to other answers from what you wanted or expect. Let me finish with one final lesson about prayer from Paul. And this brings me to our specific Bible reading for today, Ephesians 3.14. Most of us are far too narrow in our prayers. In our prayers morning and evening or whatever we pray for ourselves, our children, our family, our friends, very few of us really spend any time thinking about our church's mission partners or people in need in the community or people in the wider world with needs or anything else. Even what we ask for ourselves is very narrow. Help at work, health, success, and some project. All of these, of course, are worthy things. And it's good to pray for them. But one thing that Paul teaches about prayer in this passage that we read today, and you can read again at home, one thing that Paul teaches here is that we need to have a broader vision, a more comprehensive concern. We need to pray for greater things. And in Paul's prayer there in Ephesians 3, he's praying for his friends and he's asking two things for them. Love and power. Power and love. It's hard to imagine anything more basic and yet anything, I suppose, more wonderful. Love and power is what Paul is praying for in this prayer. And of course, love and power... Our themes, I suppose, if, you've, if you're a, a reader of poems or novels, you'll know maybe two-thirds of novels and plays and poems kind of one theme or other, love or power. The love of power has laid waste continents and empires. The power of love has driven weak people to do powerful things for God. And not infrequently, of course, has driven powerful people to do foolish things. 
These are the forces that shape our lives, our homes, our countries, our our politics, our world. And these are the themes running through Paul's prayer. And I'm going to just read it again or read half of it with you. And you may like to look in the Bible as we read to you. Do you see what Paul says here? Ephesians 3 at verse 16. This is what he prays. And you'll see power and love, love and power coming through this, intertwined throughout the prayer. I pray, he says, that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with the fullness of God. I pray, he writes, that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his Spirit. When we look at the world and we think of our lives, we live in a world where we feel powerless. Our own Northern Ireland society can sometimes feel that it's falling apart. Our politicians seem unable to to lead us out of a series of crises that we get into. Bitterness and prejudice and hatred and hurt all can seem to be increasing. And we seem to be powerless to, to combat it. And of course, in the wider world, uh, we are depressed by the news these days. The unrest and the evil that spreads like a plague. Again, we feel powerless. Paul is praying for power. Power to overcome evil and to do good in this troubled world. That's what Paul's praying about here. And then the second thing that Paul's praying for, that we may grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. For those of us particularly who perhaps feel somewhat depressed by life, we need to be reminded again of the greatness and the vastness of God's love. Power without love is a terrible thing. We see it being exercised in various places in the Middle East at present. It happens near home as well. Domestic abuse, pedophilia. Power without love, some of us have been the victims of it. The power that God wants us to have and to exercise is the power of love. He wants us to understand the vastness of that love, this counter-cultural love that reaches out beyond our families, beyond our friends, and seeks to embrace even our enemies. There's nothing wrong with praying for little things and everyday things. But Paul is calling us here to pray for bigger things and greater blessings in our lives and in the lives of our friends, that God will give us and them the power to overcome all that frustrates life, that he will flood our lives with his love. Then, as we pray for these deeper things, 
we can begin to see the tide turn in our lives, in our congregation, in our world. But how do we do it? How do we pray like this? Let's return to exercise. When the cardiac rehabilitation nurse spoke to me, she tried to find out what was the most appropriate form of exercise for me. Walking, it was decided. And she tried to build on what I was already doing. If I'd been a swimmer, she would have been trying to help me swim more. If I'd been a cyclist, she would have been probably suggesting ways of cycling more. She tried to find out what was appropriate for me as an individual in my lifestyle and then to enhance that. And of course, prayers like that. There's no one correct pattern of prayer or time for prayer or sort of words you have to use in prayer. Some people like to pray in the morning, some in the evening, some pray in their, in their office, some pray while they're sitting on the bus. Some have a Bible and read it, some read it. Scripture in their smartphone, some listen on headphones as they walk to work. Some people have prayer lists and some pray for people and things as they walk along the street. There are many forms of prayer, just like many forms of exercise. The important thing, and this of course is what's happened to many of us, the important thing is not to grow lazy, or equally not to become too busy that you have no time to pray. So what do we say at the end of it all? What's Paul saying to us at the end of this summer? about prayer. The first thing is this. Pray, friends. Don't just talk about it. Do it. God wants us to pray. He answers our prayers, though not always in the way we want. And don't just pray for trivial things. Ask for those greater gifts of power and love and then use them that the very breath of God may permeate your life and the lives of those for whom you pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that being rooted and established in love, you may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. May that be so for each of you today.